0: Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit.
1: Before we jump into this poem, this hymn, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to talk about humility. Thank you that, you, th- thank you that your word humbles us and it brings us to a point of obeying you and trusting you and, and also knowing you. We pray that we would encounter you through your word, that we would be made humble uh, even as we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so who here has heard of something called a humble brag? Has anyone here heard of a humble brag? Okay, so some of you know what a humble brag is. I learned recently a humble brag is like a showing of false modesty. So it's this very kind of public display of humility that's not really that humble at all. And you see these on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You see it on social media a lot. And there's an account on Twitter that has compiled some of the more notable or humble of humble brags. Uh, And so I wanted to share some of these kind of funny humble brags with you this morning because we can all kind of relate to them. So the first one, can we start a media campaign to question how I got into Columbia too? Still scratching my head about how I got accepted and demand answers. That's Annie. She like doesn't want us to know. She wants to know like, how did I get in Columbia? But really, she just wants to talk about Columbia. I like this one a lot. This one's from Cheryl. It says, I just did something very selfless. But more importantly, it was genuine. And I know it means a lot to the person in the long run. Hashtag so worth it. Cheryl. You go, Cheryl. At Jimmy Kimmel. Hi. I'm 16 and I'm publishing three books and an album this year. Do you have any advice on how to handle it best? Josh. <laughs> He's going to get big. You might be able to guess who this one is. It's an evening with the Hoff. Britain's Got Talent followed by My Life Story on Pierce Morgan. Hopefully, you won't get sick of me. David. Now, this next one, you you might be able to guess as well. I'm truly humbled you follow my tweets. I pray they enrich your life and strengthen your ministry. God bless all 200,000 of you. (laughs) Rick. To be fair, I had never heard of a humble brag until this this summer when I was on vacation and my brother told me that every time I post a picture of me doing CrossFit on Facebook, that that is a humble brag. So, like, I need this sermon. I need this sermon the most. I want to share one more with you. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's by a guy named Paul. The Apostle Paul, he understood humility. and He understood how important humility is to disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, someone who is learning the ways of Jesus and seeking to obey him and love him more and more. Now, our passage this week connects to the previous passage and what we learned last week. So last week, we talked about what it means to live worthy of the gospel. Paul said, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And We learned the first way is through unity, unity around the gospel, around what Christ has done in our hearts and in this world So the first way we live worthy of the gospel is through unity as a church, as a body. And the second way, Paul is continuing this theme, continuing to unpack what it means to live worthy. The second way is humility. Live worthy of the gospel through humility. Now our passage today starts like this. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement, Now, whenever we run into a word like therefore, a good question to ask is, what is it there for? Why is it there? And so when we look at this therefore, we see it's a connecting word, right? They didn't have chapter numbers and verse numbers in the original manuscript. It was one long letter. and Paul is continuing his train of thought. So this therefore is connecting the theme of unity to the theme of humility. See, we can only be unified if we're what? If we're humble if we're if we have some humility as as christians as a church body now before paul jumps into the the theme of humility he does something else he kind of like takes this diversion paul does that a lot in his letters but he begins to talk about something else he begins to explain why we can be unified why we can be humble why can we well because we have god's grace Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, this if, another way you can translate it is since. Paul is saying, since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, since you are spiritually united with Christ through faith, you have encouragement. Since you have comfort from his love. Jesus loves you. Isn't that grace? Isn't that good? Since you have a common sharing in the Spirit, since you have tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Paul is saying, you have all this grace. Do you realize how much God has given you? Let that unify you. Let that humble you. See, the gospel, the good news, like that is a message of grace. The gospel message Very simply put, is that each of us is way worse than we could ever imagine. Like, I, at my core, apart from Jesus, am not a good person. I'm sinful. I'm broken. And yet, God the Father, he loved us enough to send his son into the world to die for us. The Father loves us despite our sins. That should humble us. And you realize, like, there's nothing in me that makes me worth being loved. Oh, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> but our sins are a barrier in our relationship between God. But God comes and he deals with our sin. And that means that in our, in our interactions with others, how can we treat them? If, if someone has shown us such great love despite our sins, can't we show love to others despite their sins? Despite their mistakes, despite the ways that they fall short and they don't, they're not always perfect, yes. Because of grace, we can have humility. We can have unity. And then Paul goes on in verses 3 and 4, and he, he describes, well, what is humility? What is humility? Humility is valuing others above yourselves. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather... In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to the church of Philippi, at Philippi, and he's going to say some pretty challenging things to them throughout the course of this letter, and he's actually laying the groundwork in chapter 2 for something he's going to say in chapter 4. See, when the church at Philippi uh, communicated with Paul, they did it through a man named Epaphroditus. They sent a man named Epaphroditus to be an encouragement to Paul. Paul is in prison. He is is shackled. He hasn't yet been set free. We sang the song, Amazing Grace. He hasn't been set free physically. but He's been set free spiritually through Christ. So they sent Epaphroditus to him. And, and when Epaphroditus comes, he would have given a report, a report of what's going on in the church. They actually, they didn't have email back then, uh, and so they would have shared verbally what's going on. And he would have given Paul the report that there's these two women, and they're arguing, and they're bickering. Their names are Iodia and Syntyche. Philippians 4.2 says this. This is Paul. He says, I plead with Iodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Wow, aren't you glad that, like, I never do that? Like, there's two of you that are bickering and calling you out in front of the whole church. This letter would have been read publicly. But before Paul ever gets there, he's, like, laying the groundwork. He's saying you're supposed to count each other as more important than yourselves. Their needs as more important than your needs. Wow. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This this Greek word for vain conceit is the word kinodoxia. Now, it's a compound word, like butterfly. We've talked about that before. So, like dog and house, they mean two separate things. And when you put them together, doghouse, that means a new thing. So, this is two different Greek words that are put together. The first one is doxa. Doxa just means glory, honor. Kind of that idea of prestige. And the second word is kinos. Kinos means empty handed. Have you ever played the Massachusetts lottery? It's called kino. It literally means in Greek empty handed. So I wouldn't advise playing that because you will probably walk away empty handed. You will have given them your money. Kinodoxia means empty glory. It means I think that this, this thing is great, is wonderful, is glorious, and I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I think I'm all that, but at the end of the day, I'm not all that. <laughs> There's empty glory there. And that's where we lack humility, right? When we consider ourselves to be more glorious, better than others. Now, there is something that's, there, there, there is some truth that we are valuable, In fact, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. I was with Henry this week, and we were talking about the Imago imago Dei. It's Latin for the image of God. And we see the Imago Dei in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So if God created every person, whether you're man, woman, child, adult, Elderly, sick, if God created you in his image, that means every single person is valuable. But that also means, on the flip side, that I am not more valuable than you. <laughs> I am not more glorious than you. We share equally in the glory of God. That's where we run into a lot of problems, isn't it, when we say, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm more glorious than you. I'm the most important person in the room. Well, no, we're not. We're all important in God's eyes because we're all glorious. And finally, we we talk about, so, so this call is to humble ourselves, right? Now, how do we do that? By having the same mindset of Christ Jesus, verses five through eight, thinking like Christ. Have you ever Notice that like when little kids like you, you're like golden in their eyes. <laughs> and if they think you're cool, well, they just like want to say things to you. They want uh, to follow you. They want to like jump up. They want to be like you. They begin to talk like you and walk like you. And, uh, and maybe they say things that you don't want them to repeat. That's what we're supposed to do with God. We're supposed to, uh, with Christ Jesus. We're to have his same mindset. We're to love Christ so much that we want to walk like Christ, talk like Christ. We do this as adults too, though, don't we? Like, right? We we find like a person. Maybe it's an author. It's a speaker. Uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a celebrity. Maybe you buy like the 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 the, the People magazine every time you see this the person's face on it. And we try to model them, right? We begin to speak like them. We begin to read their books, to read about them, to try to understand how they think. Now, we want to do this not with some sort of world celebrity, not with David Hasselhoff or some other speaker or even a pastor. We want to do it with Christ Jesus, We want to get the mindset of Christ Jesus into us. It talked about, uh, in verse uh, 1, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So you're spiritually united with Christ. And that means his thoughts can begin to become your thoughts. His ways can become your ways. His mindset, the mindset of Christ, as we are united with him, can become our mindset." We're to have this mindset. We're to seek Christ, walk like him, talk like him. And so how did Jesus think? Have you ever thought about like what were some of Jesus' thoughts? Well, I don't know his exact thoughts unless he uh, shared them in this word. But I can tell you that he put the Father before himself. Jesus thought of the Father before himself. We're looking at verse 6. Verse 6 starts out this hymn. I like the NIV because it kind of shows, that's the version we have as a church, because it shows like this break in the text, that there's this poem that begins, there's this early church hymn that Paul or someone else could have written. And it starts out, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Well, what does this mean? It means Jesus is the most important being in the universe. He is the most important being because he is the God being. He is God with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means that He was, he had the very nature of God. I mean, Jesus is God. That means there's no one more important than Jesus. And what do we see him doing? Jesus still found a way to put his father first. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he didn't think that like, he had to, to use his God power to somehow get his way over his father's way. He, you know, he was willing to obey the father and do, do ministry the father's way. When Jesus was taken to be crucified, he could have called down 10,000 angels to deliver him to stop what was happening so that he would not have to endure the awful death of the cross. But he didn't. Instead, he humbled himself and he put his father's will first. Jesus thought of his father before himself. Now, how can we apply this in our lives as we go through our week? Well, the first way is that we can value our peers before ourselves. We can value those around us, our, our fellow students, maybe fellow dads or moms, maybe even coworkers. We can say, you know what, you're just as valuable as me, and I'm going to act like you're even more valuable than me. Because I know my default position. My default position is to always act like I'm the most important person, like I'm the most valuable person. And so Paul tells us, like, start at this other point, Start at this point where you're valuing that person even more than yourself. What are some ways that you can demonstrate value to your peers this week? You can show them that they are indeed valuable. Maybe it's writing them a little note card, an encouragement card, saying thank you for maybe if it's a family member, the way they love you maybe if it's a coworker the way they you see them do a good job maybe if it's a, a client you can go out of your way to just bless them and you don't have to like twitter post about it later <laughs> you can just do it and if no one finds out praise god because god knows how can we demonstrate people's value to them and second way to apply this. We can value the Father's will before our own will. See, we're to do the same thing that Christ did. He put his Father's will first. That means, at the end of the day, like we're supposed to take this this book, this is called the Word of God, in a way that we say God's will is more important than my will, I'm going to put God's will before my will, is to seek to understand this to learn it and to apply it to your life because then you're applying God's word, God's will to your life. And you're putting the Father's will before your own. This is why we read it. This is why we study it. This is why we care what it says. I wanted to share maybe a little story of uh, a great example of me being truly humble. (laughs) I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I wanted to share a story of someone else being humble. Uh, and I didn't ask this person. Don't worry, they're not in this room. Uh, but it is of a local pastor. About a year ago, uh, Pastor Peter Wu, so he is the pastor of the Chinese Bible Church of Greater Lowell. He's on 110 CBCGL uh, is what they uh, their, kind of their title. They're on, yeah, they're on one tent between Chelmsford and Westford. Uh, but he called me up, and I think he sent me an email, and he said, hey, I'm gonna, I'd like to come visit you, come meet with you. And he, he came from his church, and his church is probably like 600 people. He, he preaches, um, they have three different services, and I, and I know he speaks all three, uh, Cantonese, Mandarin, and English. <laughs> uh, he has a PhD, and he, he, like, made time out of his day to come over here and to talk with me and ask my opinion. Like a first year, second year as a a pastor of a small church, he came over to ask me my opinion on a decision. To me, like, that was modeling humility. And about a month later, I got lunch with him and his staff, and one of his youth pastors just said, you know, Pastor Peter Wu, he's like the Haddon Robinson of China. Now, to you guys, that doesn't mean a lot, but Haddon Robinson is this amazing preaching professor. He died recently, uh, and Gordon Conwell, my seminary, is honoring him because he pretty much wrote the book on big idea preaching, on how to preach and how, how to communicate, and he's blessed thousands of pastors. It turns out that Pastor uh, Peter Wu, uh, he's written several books. He's a very good teacher, and he's taught at uh, a Bible college. You would never know his accomplishments because he didn't walk in like with his Ph.D. on one shoulder and his, his diplomas on the other one. It was just because someone else told me. He modeled humility. And it was just like an encouragement to me. It's something that I still resonate with and, and I want to be like that. He thought of me before himself. And I'm trying to encourage us tonight to think of others before ourselves to think of each other the church family before ourselves if we're on committees or on teams or we volunteer together how can we be loving and serving each other in those positions and also how we can be modeling the humility of Christ out in the world both inside and outside of the church but Jesus didn't just think of his father's will he didn't just put himself before his father before us guess what he also put us before himself. Jesus thought of us before himself. Verse 7 says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. What does that mean? It means that he, he left the glories and the praise of heaven. He left like perfection in heaven. And he stepped down into our world. I talked about this this summer when I was preaching through this passage. Uh, We were preaching on what we believe in the Son, and I talked about this passage. And when it says that Jesus emptied himself or became nothing, it doesn't mean that he stopped being God, that he stopped being omniscient or all-powerful. But it does mean that he took on something. So it's not that he lost his divinity, but that he took on humanity. He became a human being. And I don't know about you, but being a human can be pretty challenging, right? Being a, a, a person in this world, like we get sick, we get cold, we get sore, we, we have breaks in our relationships. Jesus would have gotten sick. Jesus would have known what it was like to stub his toe. Jesus would have known what it was like to have relationships with people that don't always turn out so well. Jesus would have known what it was like to get dirty and to have your hands get cut up. He was a carpenter. And that means that when we encounter things like what happened this last Sunday in Vegas, this terrible, awful tragedy, we can say we have a God who relates to us in the most horrible of experiences because Jesus knows what it's like to be a human being. He knows what it's like to be murdered. (laughs) Jesus walked with us. That's humility. And he counted us really as better than himself. It says he took the appearance as a man and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you see how low Jesus went, like he's in heaven? <laughs> It's glorious, it's wonderful. He enters into our world, into humanity, into this existence. But he wasn't content. He went a level lower. He went to death. He went to the cross. He humbled himself. And when we think about the cross, yeah, it was a terrible death. It was reserved for uh, slaves and insurrectionists. But there's something even worse about the cross. It's the curse. See, in Genesis chapter 1, God put a curse on people for disobeying him, for not trusting him. A curse on the snake, but a curse on Adam and Eve. And Jesus, at the cross, he entered into that curse. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus became cursed by his Father. Imagine that, you're like in heaven, you're glorious, you're wonderful. Come to this world, and then you're cursed. Like that's how low Christ went. Jesus thought of us even before himself. You realize that we're all less than Jesus? <laughs> we're far below Christ. And yet he elevated us. By dying. Who in your life do you consider to be less than you that you need to elevate? That you need to exalt? That you need to show this person who I sometimes treat as less than me, I need to to pay special attention to them. I need to humble myself below them. Maybe it's your spouse an ex-spouse? Maybe it's a coworker that drives you crazy. Maybe it's another church person. How can you model to them someone that you might look down upon on occasion as being better than yourself? That's a steep call. It's not easy. This is why we start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I confess that I sometimes think that I am better than others. And with this particular person, I have thought that I am better than that person for quite some time, and I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. I confess it before you. I accept your forgiveness. And now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you fill me in a way so that I can model to them that they are valuable and they are important? There's a good result if we do this. There is a great result for Jesus and for his humility. And that that result actually is going to extend to us as well. The result is that the Father exalted him to the highest degree. Therefore, what's it there for? To show that because of Christ's humility, because he was willing to go so low, the Father lifts him up. Lifts him even higher in praise. So Jesus is up here, praise goes down, goes to death, and what does the Father do? He takes him even higher, highest praise, the highest exaltation. Jesus experienced some sort of uh, uh, praise and recognition that he had never experienced, and heaven had never experienced for all eternity past. Something happened. When Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, he was exalted. How? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Do you know in the Old Testament? it talks about God sometimes as just the name, the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord? If you look at the Old Testament, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they would say the name of the Lord. The name of Yahweh. That name is in the Hebrew scriptures, but it's actually not one that Jewish people have spoken for a long time, Yahweh. About 300 years before Christ, 300 B.C., people stopped calling God Yahweh out of reverence for God. So they would call him other titles like the name or Adonai or some other substitute. Adonai is just Hebrew for Lord. And when the Jewish people translated the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek, they translated Adonai or Yahweh into Kyrios. Kyrios means Lord. Lord. Notice what Paul says here in verse 11. He says, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he's saying, you're going to have the name Jesus? Jesus has the name. Jesus shares that name Yahweh. And Jesus also shares the name Lord. He is the Lord of both the, the Gentile and the Jew. He is the, the name above every name. He is the, the King of Kings. He is God. That's what it's saying. Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord. And when Paul says, you know, he, every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord, remember our context? He's writing to ancient Macedonia, to Philippi. It's a nationalistic town. It's a lot of, like, emperor worship, and they would refer to the emperor as our Lord and Savior. So he is taking on the kind of the religion of that, tongue, that town. He's saying every tongue at the end of days when Christ's return will confess that Jesus Christ is lord every tongue do you know what that means that means every single person in this room (laughs) whether you believe in jesus christ or not one day when christ returns you will confess that he is lord you have the opportunity tonight to do it willingly you can confess that jesus is both your lord and your savior because if we don't, if we don't confess that Jesus is our Savior, at the end of days, we'll just confess him as our Lord. There will be no salvation. We can confess him as Lord and Savior, but Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't demand this right now. Jesus isn't like this far-off God, kind of like the Greek gods that are like very, like they, they're pouty and they throw tantrums. Jesus isn't like a demanding God of this world, a, a, a celebrity that demands our attention. Jesus is the God that had everything and he entered into nothing so that we could become something, so that we could enter into glory. There's another application here besides just humbling ourselves and, and repenting. As the, the, the Board of Elders, we're, we're, we're memorizing a passage, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And one of the verses is this verse. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. See, Jesus promises that anyone who humbles themselves before him he will lift up. He will exalt. Just like God the Father exalts Jesus in his humility, Jesus will exalt us in our humility. That means when you humble yourself in this life and you do those hard things and you, you value others as being more important than yourselves, like there is a reward. And it's okay to do it for the reward. It's okay to say, God, I, I, I'm doing this now because I have faith, because I believe in your ultimate blessing. That's a good thing. We humble ourselves in this world because we know that, that Christ is a sure bet. He is not like the Keno lottery. If we, if we place our trust in Him, we will not walk away empty handed, we will walk away full. My big idea, my closing idea is this, that we should think like Christ and humble ourselves. Think like Christ and humble yourself. I need to think like Christ and humble myself. Twitter limits its users' posts, these little posts, to 140 characters or less. 140 characters. And if someone could sum up your life, your entire life, In 140 characters, what would it say? Would it say, this person went through life humble bragging? (laughs) They were trying to make much of themselves, but at the end of the day, they walked away empty-handed because they bet on themselves. Or would it say, this person was not perfect, (laughs) this person was broken, but this person admitted it? and trusted in Christ and attempted to put others before himself or herself. That's what I want my eternal Twitter feed to say. Think like Christ and humble yourself. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you for his amazing humility. His humility saved me and is saving me and will save me. This, his humility is saving us, the people of God, the church, the humility of Christ. Thank you. Lord, many people are going to come and visit this church over the years. Many family members, many friends. And although they may never say it, would they have a sense that we are a humble people because we are followers of Christ? Because we love the gospel and the gospel just naturally humbles us. Heavenly Father, I pray for a way that we humble ourselves, giving the offering, giving our offerings to you, Would you bless this offering? Would you use it to further the message of Jesus? Not my message, not others' messages, the message of Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.